It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner as he's all over me uh, trying to adjust his microphone. And uh, and we're trying to grind it out here on a Wednesday edition. We're, we're going to step in and out of uh, of the 70s today, Boone. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit. Freddie Baseball is going to turn Freddie Blunt County and going to talk a little little class a basketball tournament and talk a little bit of football back when uh back when it was lanier porter friendsville uh wallen etc cetera, etc cetera. but but without kind of further ado uh welcome in booner welcome in freddie good morning how are you doing well man uh appreciate you calling in man i uh uh you know in the times that we're in with limited sports uh, we have spent a lot of time in the past, and uh, and and I, I hope today is uh, is another great walk down uh, what what has been a a kind of a we we've talked about the heralded tough gritty uh, times of Blunt County and the sports that developed through it. Yes, there's a lot of uh, a proud sports past in Blunt County. Of course, I I didn't arrive on the scene until the 1970s, but. Uh, Spending a lot of time looking at the history of that, uh, Blount County uh, really has a lot of sports tradition going back in all the sports, going back a very long time. And uh, I enjoy talking about it based on my experiences and some of my research. Well, I brought a ringer in because I, you say you didn't come on the scene till the 70s. I didn't come on the scene till the 20-teens. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little later to the game uh, Mr. Mr. Stroll, but, uh, but you know what? It's, it doesn't mean you can't dig in. It doesn't mean you can't go back. And, and I've brought in Boone, uh, to, to kind of bring the, bring the heat from the Lanier side and, uh, and try to remember and, and kind of jog your memory on some, some different things. But, but basically what we're going to walk down is, is those late seventies class A basketball tournaments. And also talk a little bit about, uh, some football games you covered as well. Is that kind of the, the, that's kind of the stream we're going to look at, right? Right. So where you want to start? And, Let's start uh, with those uh, those well, late seventies. You want to start the the basketball, of course. Um, of course, uh, Heritage uh, came on the scene in uh, nineteen seventy seven, and William Blunt came in two years later. But uh, before that, you had uh, the old Class A schools: Wallen, Porter, Lanier. Uh, Townsend, Friendsville, uh, of course, Seymour was in there, too. Webb was in there. Catholic was in there. Um, and one of the uh, one of the first assignments I had, really, this, this went back to when I was a student at Maryville College, was when they would have the um, Class A District Basketball Tournament at Maryville College. This was right after the uh, the new... Which now the the Boydson Bear Gymnasium opened, 
And uh, that was a tournament that uh, took place uh, every February. And um, you had all small schools, but, boy, they brought in a lot of fans, and they uh, they packed the uh, parking lot uh, with cars. And uh, you, uh, you, I mean, they, they probably set attendance records there that, that are still in effect during that week when, when all those teams came in there to uh, play uh, some very competitive games in a very strong uh, partisan atmosphere. And uh, I know uh, when uh, Marvel College students weren't always happy about it because we couldn't get into the gym, <laughs> what have you, without paying, but... Uh, there was a lot of passion there. I saw that when I was a student, and then when I started working at the Marvel Times, beginning in 1977, I was uh, I was covering the games. And the thing about uh, those rivalries, all those all those teams were very competitive against each other, especially the Blunt County teams, and, and Greenback was also in that category, also. But uh, they uh, they were very competitive, not only in the in the regular season, but in the tournaments. But uh, during that stretch, some of those teams ended up down in Murfreesboro at the state tournament, and uh, like maybe the the Friendsville boys and the Porter girls or something like that. Uh, when those teams would get to uh, Murfreesboro, even though they had been big rivals during the uh, regular season. Uh, they would pull for each other in in the tournament, and uh, it was sort of it was a, it was like a family atmosphere. And of course, families have their fights, and these families had their fights. But uh, it was really uh, quite a quite an experience. It was more more than uh, than just basketball. It was like a whole aura, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, covering those tournaments that would start. Usually on a Saturday, we conclude the following Saturday, and uh, every night there was just a lot of uh, a lot of excitement and a lot of memories that I still take with me, which is now forty three as, as much as forty three years later. Freddie, it was uh, really exciting, and I was over there my freshman year. I think was your senior year. Am I getting that right? Right, right. And uh, you had Bill Wallace uh, heading up the Friendsville Boys. Lots of yeah. really, really good players. What we did not know during the time was a bunch of these people we were watching, uh, the coaches had uh, played for Vernon Osborne, who, of course, uh, when he retired, he had like an 865 and only 300 and some – 865 wins and only 340 losses. Two state right. two state championships. Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Riddick – 59 uh, MVP state tournament goes to Townsend and coaches. Then he goes to Porter, and then he goes to William Blunt. So Bill, is that, was is that Townsend to Porter? Is that I mean, is that crossing like some rivalry lines there, or, or was that just that's just what you had to do? Uh, yeah, I was crossing rivalry lines. Um, Any backlash you know of came from that? Uh, Townsend and uh, Porter being big rivals. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, any yeah, did any uh, you know? A lot of times you see, I mean, like Doug Dickey. What, what's one thing that every Tennessee fan remembers about Doug Dickey? Give me my quarterback. 
Yeah. The song they made when he left us and went to Florida. So uh, mm-hmm. is it is there any is it, was, would there have been tough feelings? I guess is what I'm asking in in that transition. No, it it was so early in the process. Uh, Didn't know what what had moved at that point. We, we knew wherever Jim Reddick went, they were they were very good. I understand. I understand. And uh, Freddie, uh, of course, David Davis, Allstate. Uh, Ron Pittard, uh, there were so many good players, and Coach O brought right. that defense. Uh, do you remember him uh, bringing those quick guards and doing that press? I mean, he killed you with his defense. But yeah, it was. Yeah, so- I'd, I'd forgot. I'd forgotten Alcoa was uh, was in there those those last uh, few years too. Um, of course, Jim Reddick. Um, I didn't realize he had been in Townsend. Uh, that was that was. Um, before my time, um, I guess. But you're talking about rivalries. I guess the biggest rivalry that that I remember from all of that, and, and Robert, you you may look at this a little bit differently. The Porter Friendsville rivalry was a big deal because they were always uh, in contention for the district championship. And uh, more often than not, well, I guess after Alcoa came in, it was a different deal. But um, and it was boy, it was boys very, and girls had, together, wasn't it, Fred? Right. Both and schools they always had uh, right boys and girls, right? But they uh, they always had uh, very good games during the um, regular season. Uh, and and actually, um, but I, but I remember. I, First, we're talking basketball here right now, but I remember, I guess, the last time those two teams played football, which would have been in 1978, uh, there was a big uh, fight that occurred on a play where a player, I can't remember who tackled who, but the player got tackled out of bounds, and the uh, the rumble continued, and it became like a snowball where all these players from both teams were kind of... Uh, joining in and it, it probably went about 10 yards before they finally broke it up yeah but, uh, it, yeah, it was Porter hated. and Friendsville both had good boys and girls teams and and those games were always uh each night uh and the doubleheader were barn burners all the way through hey Fred we had uh, coach Lambert in here and he could tell you the high school coaches uh which offenses they ran made them really good and and he even used some of their offenses uh, Randy mm-hmm. Lambert, but uh, you had Alan Ammons and you had Joe Loveless, James Black. Guy was like six feet, could stuff it. I was watching him one night over there, and he went ten for ten. Uh, they had Charlie yeah. Conley, uh, Sean Ammons, Alan Ammons, Daryl Claybo right. became a local veterinarian in town. Porter had uh-huh. uh, Ike Russell. Uh, point guard, he averaged about 28, 30 points a game every year. Big uh, skipper Coppinger. And uh, just a lot, a lot of good players. Uh, and they would go on a right. bunch bunch of them and be all region, all state. But it was a showcase of talent. And uh, Bill Padgett from Townsend, of course, right, played at right. Alcoa under Vernon Osborne. Right. He, uh, I guess he was he was Townsend's final coach, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they brought competitors every year. Uh, he went down yeah. and played like the number two team in the state, had Lee Horner as his point guard. Horner rings uh-huh. up like 
43 points on them, and, and they kill them. They didn't respect Townsend because they were so small. But very competitive Robert, in those days. Right. You're, um, Robert, you're a Lanier graduate, correct? Right. Do you remember the final Lanier boys basketball game ever played? It was in the tournament at Maryville College in 1979. I... And they were playing Catholic, which was a top-ranked team. You know, Catholic was in that district. And Lanier was coached back then by a guy named Earl McMahon. I know that fellow. And, and, uh, of course, you know Earl. And um, the expectation was, it was an elimination game, and the expectation was that Catholic would roll all over Lanier, because Lanier, I don't even think, had a winning record. They, they, They had some problems in basketball the last few years. But anyway... Lanier got off to a good start that night. I was um, down behind the basket shooting pictures. But uh, anyway, Lanier got off to a good start, and uh, Catholic, which was, um, well, Bill Dethridge was gone by then. Anyway, Catholic called timeout. And anyway, in the timeout, I was near the Lanier bench, and Earl said, you know, guys, we're going to win this game. Nobody can believe this, but we're going to win this game. And they were ahead by like four or five points at the time. What quarter was it? Well, when all, uh, huh? Was it really early in the game? Yeah, it was early, yeah. Now, Visionary. Uh, the bottom line is, when it was all over, what, 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 um, Catholic did win the game, but they only won by like two or three points. I mean, the game was um, was in doubt until the end. And as I say, Catholic was heavily favored. I mean, they were in the state tournament every year. Uh, they usually, I don't think they ever won the state championship, but they were runner-up several times. But anyway, Lanier pulled out all the stops, and they almost won that game. And that just, uh, it was kind of a moral victory for uh, Lanier as far as that goes. But that's one of the, the, the memories. And Earl, who, of course, was always a great motivator, as you know, uh, really had those kids motivated that night. Now, I'm not sure if he was the head coach because Ken Shepard was down there and everything, but I know Earl was calling the shots that night. And uh, that's a memory that uh, that stands out with me. Yeah, there were uh, Skipper Murrin, uh Hall of Famer, Ken Shepard, Hall of Famer, and Earl, right. three Hall of Fame coaches right. there. They had uh, Mark right. Best, uh, some uh, kids that I played with a little bit uh, earlier. Uh, Chris Gettlefinger, he was right. a, he I was a dude him. from he Catholic, Catholic, and he walked on at Kentucky, and I was right. watching him play on TV couple years later there he sits on the bench right he was quite the player from knoxville yeah oh yeah catholic catholic was um was clearly the uh the best team back then on the boys side of the district uh webb was not all that great although uh, i like their coach i can't remember his name but he was a real nice guy uh, of course, you had the you had the Knoxville schools, and then you had the Blount County schools. And I believe um, even Tennessee School for the Deaf was in there, and Harrison Shell Howie was in there. And of course, Seymour was in there too. And uh, after I worked in Blount County, I was the sports editor up in Sevier County for a year, and uh, covered Seymour. And uh, of course, Seymour. 
uh, is a is a Blunt County area in, in some respects where the where the line is there. But um, I know this was in 1980, 81 when I was there, and they missed all those old rivalries with all those uh, old schools. But like I said, that was all part of the family atmosphere they had there back then. Seymour, uh, we were very familiar with them because they always helped us fill in in the Blunt County football jamboree. So we knew their right. knew their players, first names, last names, and right. hey, hey right. Freddie, this this is some great conversation. We're, we we need to get to a break. Let's take one, and when we come back, I want to hear about some some players you remember, like just big performances in those three years, and then we'll kick it to the gridiron for a little bit and talk about some of those regional games you covered at the same level. But we'll talk that on the flip side of the break. You're listening to the Grind, 100.9 FM, 8:50 a.m. and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Got golf? IguaniFarmsGolf.com. 970-7132. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media but if you say i don't like social media but i like podcasts we've got those too you can download the grind podcast on apple podcast and google play music directly from the website it's a one-stop shop for everything the grind check us out online thegrindonsports.com that's thegrindonsports.com rural king continues to provide the essential livestock supplies your farms need A cool, wet spring followed by sudden warm weather can mean the grass in your pasture may grow so fast it fails to pull the magnesium up that your herd needs. Country Road High Mag Mineral Blocks with 13.5% magnesium are just $15.99 each. You can order online at RuleKing.com and pick up in store. Protect your livestock for the lowest prices every day at RuleKing, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, 
who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. Football player. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner and Freddie Baseball as we're talking basketball and football uh, here. Freddie, it's, uh, it was fun talking to you there in the first segment. I hate that we had to, to break it up, but uh, when we get back, I, I, I'm really excited to hear, you know, kind of give me a little rundown of like plays or players or, you know, scenarios in the games that, that like really – stuck out to you because again we've talked about how the toughness and and the rivalries kind of live and breathe there in those in in those gymnasiums but really at Maryville High School in these tournaments what were some guys or or some teams that that shined real bright for you okay they were at Maryville College yeah sorry I said Maryville High School College yeah I'm having withdrawals at Maryville High School you mentioned you mentioned uh Alan Ammons at uh Friendsville and, and that's one name I remember. Uh, tall guy, uh, had a lot of talent. I believe he uh, he went on down to uh, play at Roan State. Uh, it, it's hard to remember names, but I remember uh, Porter. The Porter boys had a uh, they they played a real strong team game, as did the Friendsville guys. Um, the, the girls uh, is a little more memorable there because. Um, Friendsville and Porter, when I was covering, were were I think they were in the state. They ended up in the state tournament uh, at least two or all three of those seasons that that, that I covered them. And of course, uh, Porter, of course, their big scorer then was uh, Gay Johnson, who is now Blunt County Clerk uh, Gay Hasty. Uh, her father, of course. Um, um, Dalen Johnson was was the head coach, a, a legendary coach. He's in the uh, women's basketball Hall of Fame, and uh, they had another player there named uh, 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 Becky Parker, who um, 
was a tall girl who actually finished up at uh, at William Blunt after after all the consolidation took place. But she ended up playing at uh, South Carolina. Uh, on the Friendsville side, uh, Kim Moore was a player I remember. Of course, her uh, her father Don uh, was a um, longtime coach at Friendsville and athletic director. And, and Kim ended up going down to play at uh, Roan State and later at Tennessee Wesleyan before she was a longtime teacher in the Maryville school system. I believe she's retired now. Uh, but but those are the players that that you know pop into my mind right away. Uh, the, the thing about that is that they all played very strong team games. Yeah, you had your stars, but uh, uh, they were all well coached. And uh, as I say, they played competitive games, and the fans were into it. Uh, the the other thing about that basketball tournament, which which I can't let go is the uh, the people who who ran the tournament for instance the scoreboard operator was a guy named wayne campbell uh, robert you remember wayne uh he was a methodist minister still there absolutely okay i'm, I'm uh, loving going back was, i can't believe you remember okay. this stuff <laughs> wayne campbell was a methodist minister out in uh, the porter area uh, but he he ran the clock through all those games, and uh, he 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 literally became a father to me. Uh, one of a number of people who became fathers to me, surrogate fathers over the years. There, uh, he prided himself in, in absolutely never making a mistake. And oh yeah, and he I mean he could tell you he could tell you uh, all kinds of stories, and then the uh, the official scorekeeper for the game was a lady by the name of Merle Sloan, who lived out in Wallen. She was actually on the Blount County School Board for a time, and she was the uh, she was a scorekeeper at, at uh, Wallen and later at uh, Heritage. But she would keep the books, and uh, she was just a, a loving lady, and. Um, and, you know, I'd sit there with them during the games, and, uh, you know, here I was, a uh, young kid wet behind the ears from New Jersey who'd come to Marvel College, and they just took me in as uh, as, as one of their own. Made you feel like family. And, yeah, and as I say, I covered that tournament for, oh, I guess it was three years, and I know... I know it was hard. I guess the first tournament in 77, that was the last time that Walland, Townsend, and, uh, yeah, I guess it was Walland and Townsend. That was the last time they were in that tournament uh, because Heritage was opening. But, but And it was very emotional, that, that last game. I remember uh, Wayne Campbell at halftime of, the, uh, of that last game, that boys' championship game that Saturday night, actually – made a little speech at halftime thanking everybody for for all of the support and all the excitement that had taken place over the years and and uh, wished the people going to Heritage well. And, and the same thing happened two years later when they had the final Class A tournament, as they know it. It was, like, it was like, almost like a death in the family. And, of course, at the time, at the time when Blunt County decided to go 
to consolidate in high schools, that there was some debate about that. And uh, I know when I first came to Marvel College in 72 was when they decided they were going to go that route. And, of course, a lot of the school systems in, in East Tennessee were doing that, such as Jefferson and, and Campbell. But uh, there was a lot of debate. And I know Galen Johnson was not in favor of the consolidation. He just felt going going this route was a mistake. And, uh, of course, there was a – I got involved when Heritage, when Heritage got started. Of course, I was working at the Marvel Times, and one of the things we were trying to do that summer – was trying to uh, boost the consolidation and get people on the same page. And one of the tasks I had to do was interview the the basketball coaches at Heritage, Uh, Don Heatherly and uh, I guess it was um, Bobby Barong, Um, and, and, and trying to get everybody on the same page between Everett, uh, Townsend and Walland, and it wasn't it wasn't easy because those those high schools those small high schools represented communities and there was a lot of community pride in that and you could see that especially during the high school uh, basketball tournament. So, yeah. so Freddie, you, you know, you, I think we we kind of roughshod over one key point there, and, and I think it, it you know we always have a really good time going down memory lane, especially with players that, that played in Blunt County and what have you. But I think you, you bring an interesting point to the table. Is you, were a, you were a young man from, uh, from New Jersey that came to East Tennessee and, and saw something you'd never seen before. What, what did you – like, I guess, what, what was that shock factor to see that community involvement, to see those, those small communities that kind of came into town, if you will, and, and kind of battled it at the, at the local college? Like, what, what – uh, Obviously, that stuck with you over the years. What uh, did you had you seen anything like that up in New Jersey, or is that no, is that very no. unique well, to East Tennessee? Had, first, I, I, I lived in New Jersey for a while. I also lived in, in Pennsylvania for a while, and, and I mean, I attended high school basketball games up there, and, and there was a lot of competition. I'll, I'll tell you one big difference uh, that I noted right away when I visited Maryville in uh, February of seventy uh, one. Uh, and back then, back then the um, the basketball tournament, every, everybody was still all together, like Maryville and Everett and and Friendsville and all of them. They were all playing in the same tournament. But what really surprised me was that, in addition to uh, the boys playing their uh, tournament, the, the girls were playing in a big tournament. I mean, we had had girls basketball in New Jersey, but it was a club sport type situation. Uh, Tennessee was much more advanced in uh, in in um, girls basketball as a varsity sport as compared to what it was in Pennsylvania and New Jersey back then. That was that was the. Uh, the one thing that really stood out to me and, and continued. Uh, I guess by the time I started my career uh, new jersey had had made it a varsity sport but uh the fact they had gone that route and that they were getting big crowds for that that was that was one big surprise uh right there that i saw and the fact that you had the crowds as big as they were of course you had all kinds of different schools involved not just two playing at a time 
uh, th- those were the, the main things I remember that stood out. Hey, Fred, uh, there, there was so much uh, tradition in there and so much community pride. I had the opportunity to talk to Galen Johnson a lot, respected him, and we would go down memory lane, and he apologized for embarrassing me all those games. Uh, he, Galen, Galen was so interesting. Galen was looking for an edge, and I knew a preacher who, when he was not preaching, was salesman at what was called Gifts Sporting Goods. Yep, I remember and, it. Uh, Galen came in there and he he ordered a special pair of Converse uh, with a little bit of weight resistance in them, and these girls. Uh, would work so hard in practice with added uh, amount of weight in them. Mm-hmm. Freddie, when it came time to play, you freed those girls. And they're out there like, oh, my God, my feet are moving so fast. How'd that not mess right. up, like, shots and stuff, though? How'd that not mess them up? I understand well, it gets you up and down the floor faster, but how does that? W- what he does is use it for a training, like, Say say I'm playing against him. The the most I have is my own leg resistance, except training and running and doing uh, suicides like to the foul line back, uh, half line like back, some cardio uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Your your heart and your resistance, and you, you you've established something different. Your opponent does not see, and also, I mean, he believed and he had uh, community members. Mothers would call him, Galen. Teresa just took a shortcut around the third house here. She only ran half of the sprints you had him run in the neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, Galen, Galen was the uh, principal. Yeah, at Porter, and it, and of course that was uh, that was a uh, what K through twelve school back then. Yeah, that that would help but, with uh, the discipline, also, wouldn't it, Freddie? But, but he had uh, uh, when I uh, when I was working at the Times, uh, one of the the parents of uh, uh, of one of the players, I worked with them at the Times, uh, and um, Jack and Carolyn Parker, and their daughter, Lisa, was, was playing for Porter. And if Porter would lose a, a game, a game they weren't supposed to lose, the next day Galen would have the players bouncing basketballs down the court between uh, dribbling basketballs down the court between class. And he wow. could get away with that because he was the principal. Hey, I'll tell you another one. Uh, my nurse at work, well, everybody's nurse. Uh, we we try to catch up and stroll down, catch up on a few memories. They would actually run suicides and hold some weights. Now, when I did it, mm-hmm. when I did it, we just ran suicides. But again, you're going to the foul line, and, and you've got these these weights, a barbell, you know, and some weights on it, and you're managing it. I mean, you're holding it securely and everything, and then you're going back, and then you're going to the half court and back, and they're they're pushing you, and you talk about being stronger, aerobic, and uh, but Fred, yeah. you also uh, Kim Moore's now Kim Bledsoe. She's in the Blunt County right. Hall of Fame. Her dad Don played. Right, football and wrestled at Maryville College. He's in it, and her brother right. Don Moore Senior. Bonnie, yep, yep. He uh, was a great punter, Friendsville. He was the, I would say the three point specialist, but you didn't get a three point. He was standing about two inches from the out of bounds line, 
and uh, shoot yeah. that ball from the side. Played with Daryl Claybo and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I knew, I knew them all. Daryl Claybo didn't miss one class from grades one through twelve. He became a veterinarian in town, but uh, yeah, the Moore family. Right, I remember, uh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that name, or a bunch of Claybos, as a matter of fact. Uh, you probably remember Donnie when he played at Maryville College before he uh, went to UST. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He played there one year, and he was a good punter. As a matter of fact, he was the um, – we're getting off the subject here. He was the nation's number two punter in Division Three in 1974, and he only lost the punting championship by, like, two, two-tenths of a yard or something like that. And I always told him, as bad as my math was, he probably won the thing, but – <laughs> oh, he was hanging out with old Tim Kelly, the the place kicker, probably the two kicking yes, specialists. Yes, yes, yeah. Donnie used to tell me how tough it was to hold those dummies up when everybody else ran. <laughs> no, I'm giving him a hard yeah. time. He, he was sprinting there with the rest of them. But yeah, you you've nailed it. That was a special environment, and um, I mean David Davis when he came over there in '63 with uh, Vernon, he was the the first African American athlete. Vernon just right. I never saw him play, but I I heard I heard a lot about him, and of course that was a, a special time with the integration going on and and uh, a whole new Coach whole O new put out Coach O put out word that if he was not going to play, then you know go ahead and uh, just mark us off the tournament. We won't even be showing up. But David played right. right. David was all state, all East Tennessee, all everything county region and. He ends up playing for the Green Bay Packers, the Steelers, and the New Orleans Saints in right. football. That's where I, when I came to um, Maryville College, that's that's what he was doing. And if you remember, whenever um, I guess in the early seventies, whenever whenever his team was playing, that's usually uh, the NFL game that uh, Channel Ten would air. Right back then. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a great it was a, a great atmosphere, and of course, um, first time I ever saw a streaker was back <laughs> oh. at the district uh, tournament back in uh, back in nineteen seventy four. I, I just want to I want to see if we're putting you on record. Is this you're considering this a highlight? Uh, I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just yes, pursuit. That was the year that was all starting, and that was um, don't that, look Ethel. That's so funny. Did you hear what Boone said? Don't look Ethel. The whole the old Ray Stevens right. song, and that's when and that's when that and that's when that uh, that when that record was was airing. Yes, it was it was the real thing. So so shameless plug. Literally, that song made me ask my parents what a streaker was. Oh, you were so young back then. I know, yeah. I, well, I was like, what What are they talking about? Because the song was kind of catchy, you know, talking about, you know, don't look Ethel, but it was too late. You know, I just remember that right. song. And, and the whole Ray Stevens, you know, uh, Santa Claus is watching you. That's a good one. Right. Uh, but right. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that that's my kind of take on streakers. I've never seen one in person. Pretty happy about that. Uh, but, uh, but you said also – that that in, in all those times uh, that that you you were able in those three years to also catch some of those those meaningful football games 
and uh, talking yeah. with uh, talking with Earl McMahon and his time at Lanier and the successful time there, and then also just talking with all the guys about the rivalries that were. You know, you, you, if you if you saw Jack Renfro and his Wallen crew come and how tough they were, and if you saw you know a bunch of these other guys come, then you better be ready to carry that lunch pail. Did you see some of that on the football field as well in those three years? Oh, oh, oh yeah. The first the first football game I ever covered actually. Uh, with the times was uh, Friendsville and, and Morgan County, and uh, I could tell right away that that was a very uh, physical brand of football. And those all the course I saw only uh, football. I only saw Porter, Friendsville, and Lanier among the Blunt County schools and, and Greenback. But uh, they were, you know, just a bunch of country boys that were out there playing uh, physical football. And, and, you know, you once in a while would get some um, fisticuffs going. But, uh, again, very competitive. And you were you were mentioning uh, Skip Murren at Lanier. You, who, do you who have I a Skip really story, too? that well. But what I, one of my memories, I actually covered the last – football game that Lanier ever played and uh, I think it, it may have been against Union County I, I can't remember uh, I, I know I, I did cover a Union County Lanier game one one year that year and uh, Union County only had about uh, 13 players on their team I was always trying to figure if two guys got hurt I didn't know what they were going to do <laughs> but anyway, Lanier Lanier won that game, and afterwards, again, I didn't know Coach Murrin well, but after the game, he was in the locker room crying because he said, "We have no spring practice to look forward to." I guess he knew he was going to go to uh, William Blunt, but that wasn't official. But he he just started breaking down, bawling in the uh, in the locker room there because it was an end of an era. Hey, uh, and and that and that told me all I needed to know about the uh, you know the football tradition down at Lanier High School. Yeah, it's a big uh, that's a big Boone stomping ground right there. Larry right, right. Larry Satterfield uh, started guard at UT football team uh, his senior year. Yes. Uh, Satterfield, some Tipton boys, and uh, they were uh, district champs. Um, was the last time we really got up there good, but. Uh, Skipper um, Skipper had the state's leading scorer, and uh, it, this this comes through Earl. I think is he, that that running back that ended up going to Knox County, Buster Smith. Buster came to Skip and Earl, and he he said, uh, "Where you guys go? Where, where you going next year? I, I want to make sure I get the same coaches." And Earl was honest with him. He said, "Buster, I don't know. I, Earl wasn't going to make up a, a name and, and say, I hope to go. So, he, I mean, he did not know for sure. Buster went mm-hmm. to Maryville High School. And, uh, of course, Skip and uh, Earl – or Skip went to William Blunt. Earl went uh, – I think I think his route was William Blunt and then head coach at Heritage. Earl, 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 went, Earl went to William Blunt. Uh, Satterfield was um – an assistant coach at uh, William Blunt. Larry Satterfield. Of course, they were all working. Yeah, they were all working under um, Mike White. Yeah. But um, 
But Skip knew it was the end yeah. of an era, and um, Skip was quite a guy. We we had a young man, and uh, he he was really kind of poverty stricken, and Skip pulled in the uh, defensive foothills defensive player of the year, class act guy, real good friend of mine. Ask him if he would come in 30 minutes early, unlock the gym, and let this guy go in there and have access to the showers. And uh, this guy did it every day. And he was happy mm-hmm. to do it. And, and Skip Skip thought, I, I want him, you know, to, to be normal and not be embarrassed. And he gave him access to that. And he, he really cared. I was really happy to see him go in the Hall of Fame in uh, 2016. Right, he coached. He coached a long time, as I remember. Of course, I you know I of course left Marvel in uh, 1980. I, I came back for a few years in the in the early 90s before moving up to Clinton. One one of the things about about those schools um, was the fact that the coaches they coached everything. I think at one point Bill Wallace at Friendsville was coaching football, basketball, and baseball. Absolutely, and um, and, um, and I cannot remember. Oh, oh, there was a time was at a, uh, at Lanier that at Lanier that that Earl like coached everything. I I don't know when he slept, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it was um, it was Earl and. Ken Shepard, and, and there was another guy down there, too, I remember, who seemed to be always involved one way or the other. Well, I think uh, you all had Earl on the radio here a few weeks ago, and uh, he was talking about, you know, he had to coach everything if, if he wanted to have a job, whether he knew the sports or not. Right. He was a good, soft, he was a good softball coach at uh, – William Blunt, by the way, they came up to play Oak Ridge in the uh, early '80s when I was a sports editor up here, and uh, he he got into it real fast because he played baseball. But but yeah, getting back, th- those coaches they they had to be um, very diversified in what they were doing. The other thing about that time period in in person girls basketball was that was when the six girl game was coming to an end, and of course the uh, the coaches, the girls' coaches there, with the exception of maybe one, were opposed to going to the five-person game. And uh, Galen Johnson was very much opposed to the five-girl game. Um, the coach at Friendsville, was it Boring? Is that his name? Marvin Boring, the girls' uh, coach. Marvin Boring, yeah. He, he was opposed. You know, they, they weren't... Uh, they weren't happy about going that route. They they held out until the end. When you're so uh, successful with what you're doing, and you've established an identity and a, a winning formula, you hate, right, you hate to leave it. And right, and Alcoa's girls coach uh, during that time was a guy by the name of Pat Flynn, who I think you all know really well. Uh, and uh, you know Pat. Now Pat was pro five-girl game and and he told me he said the reason those guys don't want to go five-girl because they don't know how to coach it. and uh, <laughs> well there, there's a there's a confident pat, statement pat, of course pat of course pat, pat was very opinionated as you remember yeah but uh but um but of course it was i guess uh i guess it was the first year it was the seventy nine eighty season when they went to the five girl game. 
And that was the first year that William Blunt was uh, was playing. Hey Freddie, hey uh, let's let's get to our last break of the day. I, I hate to cut you off, but we got we got pay some bills right here. But when we come I back, that. when we come back, let's wrap this thing up, and uh, and we might throw some curves at you. We do a little thing called start bench cut. We may throw some uh, some curves at you and Booner. How what do you think about that? Well, I'll try. We'll see what we got. But let's take us a break. Listen to these great sponsors. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At The Blood Partnership, we're working to keep people safe and informed about the recent outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus. We know that as members of the community, businesses are experiencing unexpected challenges, and we're committed to providing as much support as possible. Find business and community information on our website at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything the Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. During the Safer at Home order, Knox Area Rescue Ministries has continued to provide a home to those without one. It's shown why CARM is an essential business in our community. CARM Stores was recently designated as an essential business as well. CARM Stores thank you for your previous support and are excited to announce the reopening of donation centers and stores. As we resume receiving your generous donations, we recognize that business might not be completely as usual. We will continue to monitor guidelines from local officials and practice safe social distancing recommendations. We appreciate your continued support of Knox Area Rescue Ministries and CARM stores as we remain dedicated to serving the homeless, needy, and vulnerable during this time. A public service announcement from Knox Area Rescue Ministries and your friends at Blunt Broadcasting Corporation. 
Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work? Or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner and Freddie Baseball as we grind it out right here on a Wednesday edition. Freddie, it's uh, it's it's always fun, and and you have gotten into the the rough spot of the show. It's start bench cut. It's uh, it's a spot where we're kind of according to the the name, we start one, we bench one, we cut one, and we we kind of mix it up. It's been baseball it's been football it's been food it's been movies and uh today's no different we're gonna kind of pull it completely no pun intended out of left field are, are you ready yeah go ahead and shoot <laughs> whatever he's ready to go he's ready to go so start bench cut and and being that you're a big baseball guy i wanted to put one of these in there so we're talking about three thousand hitters guys that have hit three thousand uh and you have to start one Bench one and cut one. Stan Musial, Hammer and Hank Aaron, and Ty Cobb. Oh, brother. I know, right? Bench one? Yeah, you got to cut one, too. Oh, for heaven's sakes. (laughs) It's not the easiest thing. I don't even know where to start on that. Well, and it, and here's the thing. That's the cool thing about the the radio show's montage is it's from a fan's perspective. There, you don't have to use stats. You just got to say, "Hey, I liked Hank better." Here, let Boone well, go course, first, and then you'll know Hank, how to critique Hank, him. First, Hank was um, Hank um, could do a lot of things. I mean, he was a, a good hitter. He he could hit home runs, but he could run. He could field. Um, hey, you want you want you want I guess, Booner I guess to from that standpoint? I, w- I would keep I would keep Hank. You're going to start Hank. I'm going to start Hank, and and what's your other what's your other? So you options? you got to put one? one on the bench, and he stays on your team per se. You know, the, again, this is just fun and okay. But... Okay, I would I would start Hank. I would bench Stan Musial, and I'd cut Ty Cobb because he was a troublemaker. Players didn't like him. Hey, hey, see, and the cool thing is, is we're going to see what Boone, what Boone thinks and see how either in line you are or what Boone thinks. I'm going to start Stan Musial because of his just absolute, I mean, he had like 3,600 and some hits. He yes. could, he could hit awesomely. Henry never hit more than uh, like 44 home runs. Was not a really good baseball stealer, base stealer. Um, Early in his career he was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to uh, bench Henry Aaron, 
And because Ty Cobb came sliding in the second with his razor sharp cleats aimed at the guy's knee, I'm going to bench. I'm going to cut that dude. Hey, y'all both cut Ty Cobb. So that's cool. In this day and age, Cobb Cobb would not make it. He'd be he'd be uh, he'd be tossed. He'd be the Johnny Football of baseball. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so so now that we've got that one out of the way, and I feel like you know it's it's always fun uh, to 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 kind of kick things around. But the next one, Boone came up with this topic. It's called dumb laws of the world like things that that go around the united states and you've got to think which one is like the wow off the reservation wild and then kind of rank them one two three i'll let boone kind of start this one but did you know in cleveland ohio this is number one the law forbids you to operate a motor vehicle while sitting on someone's lap option two according to a kentucky law you'll be arrested if you make a date on the streets with a person wearing a swimsuit. And then in Omaha, Nebraska, it's against the law for a barber to shave a man's chest. Start one, bench one, and cut one. We'll start with Booner. He has to review the results. I am going to start. Uh, They're going to throw me in jail, and I'm in Kentucky, but I'm going to start because... Yeah, because no Boone's going to make a date on the streets. I, I knew that one was coming. They're going to punish me, but I'm going to make a date with someone wearing a, a swimsuit. That's the, I'm going to get thrown one. in jail. I'm going to bench uh, the Cleveland law about a motor vehicle with someone uh, in your lap. I feel like that's how I learned to drive at really at, at the earliest stages. I was on Dad's lap driving no pedals but just a steering wheel. And then you're going to cut. You're going to cut that man's chest. I'm not going near the barber and shaving a man's chest. Could you? Could you just imagine walking in that room and going, "Oh, I'll come back later." So I'm going to start <laughs> to uh, start to date with a person in a swimsuit. I'm going to bench someone uh, driving with someone in your lap, and I'm going to cut the barber in the man's hairy chest, shaving it. All right, all right, Freddie. So you're you're going from uh, I I I totally I totally agree with his <laughs> listing on that. I, I think it you, you know Boone's got this like montage. He showed me like basically over the last two weeks, I've learned a lot of laws that I didn't know were laws. But honestly, I don't know who w- even law enforcement wouldn't know they were laws. But uh, Boone's got a whole caveat of those, and uh, and we try to mow through some of them uh, right. from time to time. But since you agreed with Boone, we've got to have a tiebreaker. Uh, so uh, we're going to use one that uh, is baseball related, and I, I think uh, I think this is a good uh, a balance because it's a it's a it's a rule that I didn't know existed. So here is the uh, the the question: True or false? Is it legal to hit a pitch that bounces before the plate? Freddie, you get the first go of it. Is it legal to hit a pitch before it hits? Bounce hits the plate. Yes. Bounces or it reaches the plate. No. What do you say, Boone? So it bounces two feet in front of me, and then it comes up, and I swing the bat and hit it. Right. Right. I'm going to say that's false. And it is true. So you both, oh. you both missed it. Well, so, well, what do you mean it's true? That's what A this. Ball bounces in the dirt. It in says. Front of the plate? It said it is legal to hit a pitch that bounces before the plate. Give us another one. Never heard that. I never heard that. 
All right, here's here's another one. If we don't get it, we're going to go with the old-fashioned tie route. The maximum allowable length of a bat is 48 inches. True or false? True. I say false. Oh, Booner got you, Freddie. It's 42 inches. But, hey, we've, we've hit the timeline. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, thank you, Jim. Have a good day. Stay hey, safe. Take care, be safe, and, yes, grind on.